Welcome, my friends. You're listening to Be On Air, your companion for launching and growing your own podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Marks. This show is all about the transformational journey of sharing your message through podcasting and entrepreneurship. Learn from diverse experts and guides as we dive into the heart of podcasting, branding, and online business and share blueprints to achieve your purpose. If you haven't already, please subscribe. And if you want to start a podcast or want to grow your show, I invite you to book a free strategy session with me via the link in my show notes or on my website. That's all for now. I hope you enjoy the show and I'll see you on the other side. Well, I have to tell you all, I am really excited for today's guest. Daniel Levin walked away from the opportunity to run a multi-billion dollar company to hitchhike around the world to find happiness and inner peace. He studied five years in a seminary and left one day before being ordained and lived as a monk in a monastery for 10 years. He led the growth of Hay House Publishing from 3 million a year in sales to 100 million a year in sales. And he's a rare blend of businessman and mystic who shares the gift of connection and what the power of listening can do to build your business. His book, The Mosaic, is truly beautiful and inspiring. And his two podcasts feature potent conversations with diverse individuals from all walks of life. Um, I, I really was waiting in anticipation for this interview, and I'm so grateful that you're sharing some time with me, Daniel, and, and welcome to Be On Air. I'm so happy to have you. It's my honor, and I, it, it, I am honored and thankful that you are sharing time with me. So thank you for that. It's a, such a treat. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look into your eyes and see the beauty of your heart and soul, and what a pleasure to be able to sit with such a beautiful man. Mm. I, I deeply appreciate that. And let's just jump into this ocean of nectar that, that awaits us. Um, so your book, The Mosaic, it's, it's way more than just a book. It, it feels to me like a way of life. And I can feel it sort of permeating through your live streams, through the way that you interact on all your podcast episodes to even how you respond to people on Messenger. And I'm just so curious, first of all, like, did the book come first? Did the podcast come first? How did that work out? And, and let's just start there. Yeah, great question. The book came first. I thought that I was living a very purposeful life for most of my life. And people had said to me, your life is, is a really rare life. How many people get to go from the bottom of the bottom to the richest of the rich to the bottom of the bottom and just keep like pinballing, uh, like a pinball machine, bouncing through those worlds and meeting all these different people. And I have to say to you that I've had an amazing life, an amazing opportunity to sit with some of the richest people in the world, not in their lecture halls, but in their homes. I've sat around their dining room table and met their parents and their kids. Sometimes I've played on the floor with their kids and, they, and they've let me do that. And sometimes these really wealthy, elite people have been kind enough to give me their counsel. And sometimes they've even been kinder to ask my counsel and ask what I would do. I've sat because of Hay House, I've sat with some of the most influential people in the world. People who, when they speak, millions of people listen. 
I've had the opportunity to be in the same environments with them where most people would revere them. I just treated them like a normal human being. And so I had their confidence and they were able to just share with me the down times as well as the up times. They were able to share with me their fears and their concerns and their and where they didn't feel good enough and where they felt like a fraud or where they, you know, just like everybody would do, just like all of us. They're no different. They would share their meannesses of their heart and their glories of their heart. And I felt so honored that they would sometimes ask my counsel and also, and oftentimes give me counsel. And I've also had the opportunity, beautiful, brilliant opportunity to sit on street corners with the poorest of the poor to sit on cardboard boxes that were barely even there anymore. They were so torn up and ripped to sit with people who the world didn't even know existed. And if they didn't know it existed, they didn't treat them like people or animals. They treated them as things. They would walk by them and yell at them or spit it on them or kick them or fight them or, or try and steal their money. But I had the opportunity to sit with them and they would introduce me to their family, maybe not their birth family, because their birth family often rejected them. But the family of people that had become their family, their brothers and sisters of the street. And they were kind enough to give me their counsel, and kind enough sometimes to ask of my counsel. And I have to tell you, in every single case, I found the same person existed. I found everybody wanted the same few things. They wanted to be loved and accepted. They wanted to be listened to and heard. And they wanted to be acknowledged and validated for what they were saying. Never in the 65 years that I've been alive did anybody say, say to me, I want you to believe just like I believe. They didn't care when I was able to listen to them and hear them and, and accept them for what they believe and, and not fight them and not have an agenda to try and make them believe what I believe. They gave me complete space to believe what I believed. Mm. And there was something so beautiful that happened for them and for me. And what the mosaic did for me is it, is it, is it sat me on, on, in, in conversations with people that I wouldn't normally sit with. I was a little bit of a snob going into it. I only liked to eat in restaurants where the food was cooked with the reverence. I only liked to be with people who were spiritually uh, elevated enough that they had a vibration to them. I didn't normally sit with people that were yelling and screaming at each other or sit with the people that didn't have a high vibration. But in writing the mosaic, a story about a boy who loses his parents two years apart on the same day. And when he asks the adults where his parents are, they say, they're in a place called heaven. That boy decides then and there to find heaven. But the people he meets are not the rabbis and the priests and the swamis and the gurus and the shamans and the aborigines elders. They're the homeless guy, the road worker, the trash man, the gardener, the juice man. And he wonders, why in the world am I meeting these people? Like, what, what will these people show me about heaven? And he hears a voice inside him say, well, you're here with them. You don't have nowhere else to go. Just sit and listen to what they say to you. And as he listened to them tell their story, what he realized is the person he initially saw wasn't at all this person that was talking to him now. And that wasn't because they had changed. It was because he didn't see clearly.
And I remembered the blessing that the Rebbe had given me when I saw him in Jerusalem around the time that I was 19 years old. And I had asked him to go for, for a blessing to go to India. And he said to me, Danny, you say you've seen Israel north, south, east, and west. You say you've been here nine months and seen everything. I don't believe you've seen a thing. Because if you saw anything, you wouldn't be leaving right now. You would be jumping into what we have right here. So yeah, you'll go to India. You won't see anything there either. If you want to learn how to see, come back tomorrow. And I said, but I'm going on a plane to Turkey tomorrow and overland to India. He said, that's why I threw you out of my office, because you, you don't have flexibility. You don't have the ability to change on a dime. Does anybody know you're coming there? No. Does anybody, does it matter what day you leave? No. You have a non-refundable ticket that you don't believe can be refundable. So you're getting on the plane to go somewhere and you, without knowing how to see anything. Listen to what I say to you. If you want to learn how to see, come back tomorrow. For another conversation at another time, I can tell you that story. It was remarkable, but long story already way too long. Suffice it to say, miraculously, something happened. And I went back to see him, and I stayed in Israel five years. There, You mentioned in the book, uh, we have to learn to see what we cannot see. And that story reminds me of that, um, because sometimes we're always looking, or I'm always looking for uh, the destination outside of myself somewhere else to to get to. And I think that is part of the story in the mosaic uh, and and it's so beautifully put, and all these archetypes and all these all these people who Mo meets bring a, a piece of the mosaic, bring a piece of the puzzle, and it, it was is profound. I haven't read a book that I felt like I I was kind of finding a sanctuary in. It was like retreating into a sanctuary to to read, and I I read it too fast. It was done in like a day or two. Uh, and so I was a little sad when I when I finished, but I think that's the the best the best kind of read. And you 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 beautifully captured so many universal truths in this book. And the the podcast as an extension of it is like more. There's more. There's more to nourish ourselves with the podcast. And so you you wrote the book first. The podcast started to come out of it. And as you know, this show is for podcasters who are trying to get their message out. Maybe they have a business, maybe they have a brand, maybe they're authors and they're trying to promote their book. And I think you're doing something really incredible in this space right now in how you're sharing your truths and this book and how you're connecting people. And my first impression of you is this little square. And um, I, I recommend maybe I'll try and throw it up in the video here for anyone who's listening. You can go check out the YouTube version, but you have a photo of yourself and you have these icons, these really potent symbols for these different facets of yourself, what you do, author, uh, speaker, connector, podcaster. And it was such a brilliant way to give the, give the most essential points about what you have to offer. And that was my first, that was like the first time I saw you. And then I looked into things more and I kind of saw how you were communicating yourself online. And I knew that you're a heart centered being that I, I needed to talk to. So all that said, like you've, you've had, you've had so many conversations with all these people, I'm sure even before the book. And I'm, I'm wondering what has come 
as a result of the podcast specifically and having all these conversations and meeting all these strangers? Like, can you just share whatever comes to your heart uh, with that question in mind? Absolutely. Thank you so much. And, and before I even get there, let me just say the growth was person to book to podcast. And so when we're aligned, for me at least, and like if what I'm saying makes sense to people, great. If it doesn't, just throw it away in the trash and do your find your own way of doing it. But for me, the most important thing to build momentum, to build energy, to build magnetism is to have everything be a reflection of who we are and what our purpose here on earth is. So when I realized through the mosaic that my purpose was to go around the world and sit on street corners and sit in hospitals and sit in boardrooms and sit in, in, in prison cells with people and just listen to the people that nobody listened to because that's what happened in the mosaic. I sat with the people nobody, nobody even knew existed. I spoke to people nobody speaks to and listened to people no one listens to. I had set in place a trip around America and then that I was going to take around the world. And I was 12 days away from leaving and COVID came and said, you're not going anywhere. So at that point, I said, well, how am I going to do this? I can't just give up on the whole mission. And I decided to do a podcast. And that's when I created, I was doing the Mosaic podcast already. Because what I wanted, what I was really interested in in the Mosaic podcast was those perceptual shifts. Because for me, the heaven that I was looking for, I found in a perceptual shift. I found in that moment uh, where I looked at something that I had always seen one way and suddenly for no reason at all, I saw it completely differently. And when I saw it completely differently, what I originally saw didn't even exist anymore. And I realized that what we see actually blocks us from seeing everything else that's there. It's like that picture of the old hag and the young socialite. Right. And, and when you look at it, you see one or the other, but, and, and they're both in the same picture. It's not like, it's not like magic that one appears. They're both right there. But when you see the old hag, you can't see the socialite. And when you see the socialite, you can't see the old hag. And then you see both of them, but you can never see both of them together because they go back and forth. They fluctuate. Well, well that's what I realized happens in life. What we see actually blocks us from seeing everything else that's right in front of us. And so what interests me in the Mosaic podcast is those moments of perception, perceptual shift where people could be one person and suddenly become another person. And that was really interesting. What interests me in conversations with strangers was the sense of, if I can't go out on the road and do it, why don't I just do it from the comfort of my own home? And why don't I invite people who I, who I have no idea who they are? And just be completely surprised when we get into that room. I don't know if they'll be boring. I don't know if they'll be angry. I don't know if they'll be upset. I don't know what will happen. It's the beauty of having a conversation with someone you don't know. I didn't look them up. I didn't Google them. I didn't Facebook them. I didn't do anything. I wanted to know nothing about them. Some of them knew more about me than I knew of them because I can't tell them what to do. But when they came onto the show, what I realized is we were strangers for just the briefest of moments. I learned up until the time that I had conversations with strangers, just about every conversation I had had an agenda to it. I was trying to get something across. 
When I tried to have an agenda in my conversations with strangers, it completely negated my ability to listen. But when I had no agenda, when I walked into the room and had an agenda and with an agendaless conversation, and I just started to ask the most basic, simple question you could ever ask. How are you? And most of the time people would answer, I'm good, I'm great, I'm fine, I'm doing really good. Yeah, I'm doing really good. And I would go, whoa, whoa, I get that. That is a great answer to a salutation question. But I'm not asking you, hi, how are you as a salutation and moving on. Actually, I'm really interested to know how you're doing. We're in a time where we're in a global pandemic. We're in a time where black and black people and people of color are standing up to white people and saying, you can't treat me like this anymore. Our voice matters. We have a voice. You can't just put your knee on our throat and suffocate us in full view of a camera and, not, and think that that's okay. Women are standing up and saying, we're not going to be treated like this anymore. There's a history of, of, of how you've treated us in the past, and we won't stand for that anymore. We're people. We're not just sex objects that you can touch and hold and can do whatever you think you can do to. Institutions that we believed in are crumbling. I mean, the Boy Scouts is falling apart because Boy Scout leaders are having sexual affairs with boys. The church is falling apart because priests are using little boys to have affairs, affairs with. How are you doing? Like, like, look, our political situation, we don't even know what's, if our president's saying the truth or not saying the truth. Does he know something we don't know and that's why he's saying it? Or does he just think that if he says it over and over and over again, we'll believe it? You know, the news, is the news real or is it not real? I mean, we have no idea. Like, these things when I was growing up were, were, were unchallenged. We, we just, this is the way it was, and we grew it. I'm not saying it was better. I'm saying it ha this has to open up, but you can't. Can you really say to me you, that you're good, great, fine right now in this period of time without anything else that you're feeling? Like, how are you? And something clicked in for them when I said, how are you, and I meant it. Oftentimes, people said, nobody really cares how I'm doing. I'm, I, like, I'm, I have to take a minute now and think. And what I found is when people suddenly felt the space to be loved and accepted and listened to and heard and acknowledged and validated, they no longer felt the need to defend themselves. So everything that they used to defend themselves just fell down. It wasn't needed. And suddenly what emerged was the real person that was inside of them. And there were moments in some of those conversations where they, they started crying because they said, I'm seeing myself for the first time. I've never seen this person before because I've, I've gotten so used to the walls that I've put around myself. I've painted them just the way I want you to, to, to see me that I forgot who I really was. And those are sacred moments. And those were with strangers. And what I found is sometimes people felt comfortable talking to a stranger than they did to the people they're closest to, which makes absolutely no sense at all. But there was no commitment. They weren't scared of my judgment. They weren't scared, and they, and they felt safe with me. And what I realized is all of us have the ability to love and accept another human being. It doesn't, take, it doesn't cost money. It doesn't take extra time. All of us have the ability to listen to and hear another person. 
all of us have the ability to acknowledge and validate. And we have no idea the power of what's in that. And so when you put all of those core values into a creation that you create, a podcast, a book, a life, that, that starts to have power. And it starts to generate interest from people. And so I put a post up. When I wasn't able to go on the trip, I said, I'd like to just talk to anybody who's interested. I got zero response. Nobody responded. When I said I was going to have 50 conversations with 50 strangers, 250 people responded the first day. Wow. And I went, whoa, like, what is it? I said the same thing one way and nobody responded. But I just packaged it in a slightly different way. That, and that way that I package it. So for people that are podcasting, you have to make sure the package of what you're doing is, is representative of who you are and has the right sort of energy or vibration of the show that you're creating. And when you get aligned to person, podcast, life, you're unstoppable. And the conversations start to become amazing. I was in this group, the Indie United Podcasts, and um, they gave me the award of being in the top 25 podcasts of the year. I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about podcasting. I just know that my heart is open to people and I care about people. And when I invite them into the room, they are completely safe in that room. I used to think the room was special, but there's nothing special. It's just an empty room when, no, when nobody's in it. That Zoom, the Zoom room that we're in, and there's nobody here, right? Right. It's what happens in here that makes it special. And you have that same energy. Look at the space you're holding for me right now. It's beautiful. And I thank you for it. It's, it's absolutely my honor. And there's so many things you just said that spark different different things within myself. And I think one of them is just in this world where we, we see so much apparent divisiveness happening and so much darkness coming up and being exposed and shown and shared many of the things you, you mentioned. It sounds so simple as often the most wise things are, right? But to, to be accepted and to feel connected, to feel that love, to be listened to, it is the cement between the mosaic. It's like what is most important in our society and in relationship, in intimate relationship with romance or, or, or friends, the, the power to listen to each other, truly listen and like make sure that the message that is coming across from the person we're talking to is really under, that I'm really understanding it. I've experienced that too. It just has such a profound impact on both people. Both people are transformed by, by fully being present with each other. And two people getting together is the smallest unit of society. And I think that what we're going through is a, is a reform, is a, is a regeneration of what the next era will be in community, in society, in culture. And I think that's why I'm so excited about podcasting, because whereas before, you have news channels and networks and radio laws and you know there's so much policing around what can be said and how it can be how it can be broadcast now we have on the power of our phone the ability to share 
the most impactful truth, the most impactful uh, meaning and conversation possible with very little barrier. And to, to what you were saying, even not knowing how to be a podcaster or how to podcast, you can you can achieve an award like you mentioned because of the the potency of the message. And I think yeah. that is just such a strong message for people to really integrate. Is that it's the it the quality of the of the message will be the deciding factor. Obviously, if it's distorted and and broken up and crackly, maybe people won't listen. But I think if it's reasonable with 2020 technology, you're going to be fine putting out your message. And there's so much deep things you said that I want to dive into. And I want to give tangible advice for people. And I think specifically for authors, I'd be so curious if you could just speak to authors who don't have a podcast and talk to them a little bit about what that looks like when you have this manuscript, you're working on your book or you you published it and why someone might turn to podcasting as, as something that's going to support their mission and purpose with, with their writing. So, and again, what I'm going to talk about is what it is for me. That doesn't mean that my reality is anybody else's. And I want to just make that very clear because in a world where everybody's telling you what to do or follow these steps, um, it, it has to resonate with you. If it doesn't resonate with you, don't follow anything I'm saying. Just follow what you're saying. Because again, going back to just the, the, this idea of listening, we have to first be able to listen to our own selves. And most of us don't do that. Most of us are so caught up out here in what the world is saying and what we have to do out here that we don't listen to the subtle voices inside ourselves that says to us, would a, would a podcast be a good thing for me? Why would it be a good thing for me? And what I would really recommend is before people go anywhere, even from one place to another, why is your book important to you? What is it that you want to say through your book? How would a podcast be able enable you to be able to say that in another way? Because in the world we live in, one message isn't going to be the only way people hear it. They're going to need multiple, multiple hits. We know psychologically that we have to hear something seven to ten times for it to actually connect. And when so so if we only have a book and the book is out there and like to some extent, who's reading books anymore? I mean, the world is, has become so digital. I just put out the audio book of my of of Mosaic, and people said, "Danny, you have such a nice voice. Why don't you read it?" And I just didn't want to for a long time. But then I listened to it, and I said, "Okay, it's time for that." And I put out the audio book of it. The audio book is doing far better than the book because people just want to be able to, in three hours and eleven minutes, hear the whole story, and they can do it while they're riding on the bus or the train or or driving to work. They don't have to be sitting there with a book because reading books is almost like it's like a dinosaur, like my from my time of, of life, not not this time. But a podcast is so rich. For me, what happened in the podcast, the experience of the podcast, is it allows me to make the book come alive. Because suddenly, the book isn't about the characters that are in the book. It's as, as, as beautiful and simple and, and, and sacred as the trash man is to me. What's also equally sacred is who you are to me. And the idea that I can sit with somebody in whatever occupation they're in, and I can sit and speak with them and, and listen to them, and they can tell me their story, and I can see the world through another lens, 
Remember, everything about the mosaic is a change of perspective changes everything. I think it was Wayne Dyer who said, when you change the way you see the world, the world you see changes. And I love that. And it's so true. So imagine seeing the world, like look at the world we live in right now. The pro-Trumpers only see Trump. The anti-Trumpers only see how bad Trump is. Forget which side you're on. Whatever side you're on, you're wrong. Because you don't have the full information. There's some amazingly good things that he's done and some amazingly bad things that he's done. And somewhere in the blend between the perspectives that are out there, we get to see the whole perspective of what that situation is like. And when we can see the whole perspective, we're not, we're not, we're not caught in the silo of like-mindedness that doesn't allow us to see anything but what the like-minded people see. Like, look at what's happening. And I don't mean to get political, but look at what's happening. In the Republican Party, nobody can stand up to him and say, hold it, what are you doing? Like, this doesn't seem right anymore. Because they're all worried about his support for them as a candidate next time. And if he runs again in four years, they want to they be, have him behind them. But there's something that when uh, those are agenda-filled conversations, there's agenda in everything that's going on. I want you to help me become what I need. But how about just if we had a, we were agendaless? How about if we were the only agenda we had was to listen and hear what other people are saying and make sense of it and put those pieces together to create an innovative new way of seeing the world we live in? Because innovation doesn't come from like-mindedness. It comes from unlike minds coming together and finding what what they see and how they see what they see and how by what you see, which is different than I see and what I see, which is different than you, than you see can come together to make something we see together that we've never seen before. That's the beauty of the miraculous power of innovation. And so a podcast allows me to have no idea who you are and invite you into a conversation with me and just say to you, how do you see the world that we're living in? And for you to just share it with me. I've had a few where I've had an agenda, and those have been the worst shows. They've been great conversations. They would be great debate conversations, but they weren't the purpose of what I was doing. And I made note of it because it was me pushing somebody to see, to say, what you see can't be real. That's not at all my purpose. My purpose is to say, I want to know, even though I can't see what you see, will you show it to me? The mosaic is a book with characters in it to inspire us to look at the characters that we come across every day in life and say, if I were just to listen to their story, what would I know about them? This, uh, this point you mentioned, make, make your book come, it's made your book come alive and, and it's opened it up to, to continue to breathe, uh, is is really fascinating for me it really that really resonates and and the the agendaless conversation reminds me of like sur- you have to surrender to what can what what wants to come through rather than what the preconceived notion of what it'll be like as i'm looking down at my my note sheet here thinking about these questions to ask you i keep realizing 
you know, like, is that, is that where the conversation wants to go? Or is there, is there something else trying to come through? And it's just, it's a, it's such a a beautiful platform for that reason, because it, it allows you to, to surrender more and to allow the guests to pull things out and to have a, a living, breathing dialogue that, that can evoke inspiration and, and information that just wouldn't have been ex- accessible otherwise. And like you said, when the mind's different minds come together, we can, we can tap into that, to that uh, inspiration. And it's, it's really powerful. And as far as agenda goes, I'm curious, like how do we balance soul and authenticity that like inner seeking with business data and data driven results. And I need to make sales and revenue. And like, I'm wondering what words of advice or, or, you know, your experience could you offer for, for us right now in this marketplace where everyone's trying to get their, their brand online, their book out, you know, they're trying to pay bills. Things are so hard right now with the economy. And how do we, how do we stay true to that agendaless purpose and still push things forward so that we can provide for those that we love and are, are responsible for. What a beautiful question. And thank you so much for asking it. And it's really beautiful because it touches right at the core of my most vulnerable moments. I like to believe that I've lived a purposeful spiritual life. I like to believe that the world that I live in is a world full of spirit. I'd like to believe that the counsel that I give to so many people of just trust in God and know that he will take care of you, that we live in a benevolent world, that the world wants for you a thousand times more than you want for yourself. And that all you have to do is invite the world in to let it give you what it wants to give you. And you'll have way more than you can ever imagine. They tell the story of a man who dies and goes to heaven. And the man showing him through heaven says, I wanted to just show you, we have up here a heavenly junkyard. And the man says, really, what's, why would you have a heavenly junkyard? And he said, well, it's full of all the things we wanted to give to people but they didn't want to accept. And he said, let me show you around. And he walks up to this incredible, incredibly fully equipped, beautiful, customized BMW. And the, and the man that, that's touring heaven, you know, that's, that's on a tour of heaven said, who in the world wouldn't want that car? That's the most beautiful car I've ever seen. And the tour guide looks at him and says, that's funny. The person that didn't want that car was you. And he said, but that's impossible. Had that car been given to me, I would, have, I would have never turned it away. He said, oh, but it is possible. Because all the time you were praying for a Volkswagen. You were praying Volkswagen. Give me a Volkswagen. Please give me a Volkswagen. We were trying so hard to give you this car, but you wanted a Volkswagen. So we had to give you a Volkswagen. And this car has to sit in the heavenly junkyard. Sometimes stories have power to touch truth points in ourselves. And sometimes the world that we're fighting to have, sometimes the world we're fighting to just make a place in is so much smaller than the world that wants to be given to us. And why it touches a really vulnerable place in me is about a year ago, I said, I'm tired of being a prostitute, pardon my language. I'm tired of standing on a street corner and selling my wares. 
I'm tired of just seeing everything as a sale that had to be made of a service that I can help people grow better, that I, they can do better. I'm tired of fixing people and helping people and changing people and, and giving people the advice to get them to a better quality of life and helping them build their businesses and helping them, helping them, helping them, helping them. And I looked at a mosaic and it's not what I write about in the book, but it's the image of a mosaic. And I didn't see a vertical reality where people change people or fix people or help people or, or lead people or direct people or tell people. I saw a horizontal reality where pieces, mainly broken pieces, but some pieces were whole, come together and just embrace each other and hold each other. And in that embracing of each other and that coming together with each other, they become more powerful, bigger, smarter, bolder, more courageous because they have each other's back. No one's teaching each other what to do. They're just holding each other and loving each other and supporting each other and making each other more beautiful by simply uniting with them. And I wondered, do I have the courage to live my life that way? Do I have the courage to get off the street corners and stop being a prostitute, which is the oldest business in the world, so could be put that as a businessman, where I think I have to sell you on my product. I have to make my show more valuable to you. I have to make my products that I'm selling, the things that you absolutely want and need. What happens if I just love you? Well, what I found, and on my show, I don't let anybody tell me. I say to them, if you have, do you have a website? Yes. Okay. If it's on your website, I'm not interested in talking about it here. What I want to do on this show is I want to get people to fall in love with you so that they'll want to go to your website and see what you do. Because of how beautiful you are as a human being, they'll want, they want to do business with you. Not because you're selling them and telling them how great you are and what you have to do and you're the only one that does it. Who the hell cares? You know how many people are saying that and it's all BS. Let them fall in love with you. When we're friends, we want to help each other out. I'll buy anything for my friends to help them. Not because I want to help them, but because they're my friends. I want to support them. I want to love them. I want to bring them in. So the whole way of doing business for me has changed. And don't think for a minute that there were rose petals along every step that I took along that way. Because there were moments where I went into complete and utter despair. Where I wanted to give up. Where I wanted to say, no, what I believe in is not true. It doesn't work. It won't work. I'm on my last leg. How will this ever happen? But somehow... Even though I wasn't amassing wealth, I always had enough to make it from today to tomorrow. And what I realized is that is wealth. Wealth is having enough to have what you need today. We, who knows if tomorrow will ever come. And suddenly, the more I started to believe in that, and this doesn't mean it will happen for anybody else, and you can't do it with the thought that if I do it, this will happen for me. I didn't know what I did. I just knew that I wanted to trust in God. I wanted to trust in this benevolent, kind universe that was willing to be there to give me that beautiful BMW that I kept asking for a Volkswagen. And what would happen if I just knew that was the world that I lived in? 
rather than a aggressive, argumentative world that I had, where I had to fight for everything that was mine. And slowly over time, I just started to say, hold it, my prices are way too high. I'm living in a scarcity mode. What would happen if I just said to people who started to want to, to, to connect with me, who wanted me to hold space for them to be themselves, we'll figure out how to make it work together. Don't worry, we'll find a way. Whatever it is, we'll find a way. Like, I know we can do this. Suddenly, people started to come, come, because there was a spirit of cooperation. There was a spirit of unity. There was a spirit of, I've never seen anybody who operates life like this. You intrigue me. I'm interested in knowing if this is going to work. And if it works for you, I would love that to work for me. And suddenly, my family became my family. Rather than just some John that I was selling my body to on the street. Does that make sense to you? Makes so much sense. And your, your replies are, are so beautiful and full of many, many truths uh, that I'm going to need to watch this episode again and, and digest further because it's, it really speaks to me where I'm at right now uh, with Podcast Farm, my business, and really like sensing the shallowness of what you're saying of, for me personally, the, the sale and trying to sell my product. And I just, I know that I want to do, I want to do more than that. I want, I want that connection with my fellow brothers and sisters on this planet. I want to be part of that family. And so this is, this is a constant kind of struggle for me is like in this marketing world online, we see just, especially now after COVID coach after coach and ad after ad and this program and that program. And this is the secret for getting more followers and all these things. And it's, and it's, we're getting farther and farther out of touch with our heart and farther out of touch with, with God. And you know, I, I have a voice in the back of my head right now, even being like, trying to ask a podcasting question or try and like make some tangible thing. But like my, my actual heart just wants to go deeper into, into this topic, because this is, it's like this, I, our paths have crossed after however many eons of, of the universe being around. And I have this one moment, whether it's an ad, a post, a podcast, this conversation to give a gift to you, to give something that will actually serve you on your journey forward and to waste it with just advertising my product. It, it just feels like I'm, I'm, I'm not giving what I'm was born for. And so, you know, I was listening to your episode with Sim, Simran Singh. I believe I yes. pronounced her name right. Yes. Beautiful. Oh, that it was. I mean, it was she a, is unbelievable, isn't she? It was such a fantastic episode and it spoke to me on so many layers. And I'm just now in my 30s. And as I get older, I think I'm starting to, to see glimmers of what you guys are talking about in that episode. And you mentioned the sacred witness. And I, I kind of just wanted to say that and see what what would come from you because I want to know more about that because I think part of believing that this universe is a benevolent place is somehow harmonizing the intense pain, agony, and suffering that we see. And there, I think that a piece of the puzzle of the mosaic is this sacred witness. And I'm I'm curious if you could just share some something about that. Yeah, and. Let's keep it also intact with what it is you really believe, which is how do you build a podcast? 
Okay, so you can follow all the rules and structures of what other people do, and you might get more followers, and you might get make more money. But what I believe is you will not have fulfillment because you'll be living somebody else's life. What I loved about Simran, God, I, there's so many things that I loved about her. But what, what I really loved was her genuine ability to not run away from the pain. What you want to do, what I want to do, we're in the same place. We want to go away from the modality of life that we're living right now, which is a sales-based modality, which is I have something you need. I can help you. If you come to me, I will, I will teach you. I will help you. I will give you. What Simran was all about is we're all experiencing a pain. We all have suffering inside of us. We all have this feeling of emptiness that we're scared to death to face. And she sat for seven years and went into some of the darkest possible places you could ever imagine. She never built a house there. That's what, I have to, that's what we have to make sure you don't do. It's not like that becomes our new neighborhood. It's a neighborhood we have to walk through to get to the neighborhood we want to be in. And if we don't walk through it, we'll never be able to experience it. We'll never be able to get through. So most of us take our pain and suffering and we build a wall around it and we, make we try and not look at it and make sure nobody else can see it. But guess what? We wonder why we don't have intimacy. Because when I meet you, my wall just meets your wall. Or even if you're open, my, my wall meets you. And you don't, you, I don't, you don't see me. You don't feel me. You don't experience me. When I got done with that call with her, I said, I want to hire you. I want somebody to guide me through that pain. I want someone that will take me to the places that I'm scared to death to go to. Because I have to go there. And I'm still trying to figure out how I can do it with her, okay? But I, I, I haven't forgotten it because her, she charges. She charges a lot of money for it because nobody does it. And it's only a lot of money to me. It wouldn't be a lot of money to somebody who had more money than me. It's just a lot of money to me right now. But every cent that she charged is worth it for me. And I just have to figure out how to do it. I love that. I love that. Um, there's so much there. They never build a house there. We don't have to build a house in that. And that's been a question that's been coming up for me is like in these times of shadow, I think mental health is becoming way more uh, discussed, which is so good. So many more people are opening up about the pain they're holding. And I think that's why that episode impacted me so much is the the holding holding of that pain to allow those two days, to allow the, every seven years of of kind of re-going through a, a, a thing and not to always escape from pain and try and go away from pain, but to actively embrace and love the pain and go through it. Uh, and, and that piece though, seems so important because it's not that we need to just stay there. There's, there's so much on the other side of that. And yeah, I think I, that's absolutely I, important. I think for me, the most important thing, what the mosaic has taught me is to see what I don't see and to listen to what I don't hear. 
And those two qualities have become the most beautiful things in the world. And so when I feel pain in my body, or I feel pain in my mind, or I feel pain in my relationships, or I feel pain in my workplace, when I feel like things aren't working, that I'm struggling, or I'm having troubles in my work, I just have to listen to what it's saying. If you listen to some of the things that I've done, you've undoubtedly heard me tell the story of my daughter. Can I tell that story now? Please, please. Okay. I have the most beautiful daughter in the world. But there were so many years that I didn't think I was, I had that. Not that I didn't think she was pretty, not that I didn't think she was mine, not that I didn't love her, but that I just felt like I was, I was blessed with this curse. My daughter can't speak like you and I speak. When, people, when she speaks, people don't understand her. And so she would try so hard to get me to understand what she was saying. And because we're so close, I understand more than most people do. But I still don't understand much of what she's saying. If she changes subject and I don't know where she's going, I have no idea what she's saying. And so when she speaks and I don't hear her, she says it louder because she thinks obviously I'm getting older and my hearing's going and something's wrong. And, you know, I, I, so if she says it louder, I'll hear it. And to her credit, when she does say it louder, sometimes she changes the way, she, when she yells it, she changes the way she speaks the words. And I get something that I, I pick up on something. But most of the time, that's not the case. Most of the time, she's just screaming something that I just don't understand because her, her language is like a person who's had a stroke. You just, oh, I don't, you don't get it. When she screams and she doesn't get understood, she tantrums. And when she tantrums and she doesn't get understood, she attacks. This went on for like about 15 years. And it happens sometimes three, four, ten times a day. And I just couldn't figure it out. And I, I spend my time listening and trying to understand. And I just couldn't figure it out. And finally, in the midst of her rage, she was running to try and attack me, to rip my shirt or bite me or do something. I sat and I looked her in the eye and I just, with all the love in my heart, I said, Elisa, this isn't going to work anymore. We can't do this anymore. You know how much I love and adore you. You know how much I care about you. You know how much you mean to me. You know how much I want to understand you. I want to understand you more than anything in the whole world. I just can't understand your words. Would you please speak to me in a way that doesn't use words? And she stopped midstream in her, in her attack. Stopped dead on her tracks. The look of rage in her eye turned into a smile from deep in her heart. And in perfect English, the most perfect sentence she's ever said, she looked at me and she said, I am daddy. I said, I'm sorry, what the expletive deleted are you talking about? Like, what do you mean you are daddy? How are you doing that? And she put her finger to the side of her head like this. And in that movement, I realized she was telling me that she was putting thoughts in my head. And I said to her, you little son of a gun, have you been putting thoughts in my head this whole time? And she started to laugh, this uncontrollable, contagious laugh. And we started laughing for 15 or 20 minutes together, nonstop. We couldn't stop laughing. 15 to 20 minutes of unstoppable laughter is a long time to laugh. I don't know anybody. I don't think I've ever done 15 to 20 minutes of unstoppable laughter before. And we just started laughing. 
at the end of that, she had found a way to communicate to me. And she never, t- she never yelled, tantrum, or attacked again. And it's been six years since that's happened. If that would have been the end of the story, I would have said, hallelujah, I've got, a con- I've got a relationship now with my daughter. I'm going to listen to her. I'm going to try and understand her. I'm going to try and hear the thoughts she's putting into my head. I don't get it all the time, but I get it more than I used to, and I can hear certain things. But I got a little greedy. I said, I wonder if the families that I work with, I wonder if the businesses that I work with, I wonder if the government agencies that I work with are doing the same exact thing. I wonder if when people speak and they don't get heard, they yell. When they yell and they don't get speak, I wonder if they create a tantrum. I wonder if they create a scene. I wonder if they try and, and, and make it hard for people to do what they're doing. And then I wonder if that doesn't work, if they try to attack, if they try and destroy a marriage or destroy a business or destroy a person's reputation or, or blow up a building or shoot people in a square. And I wonder if we can only find a way to listen to what the world is saying to us and listen to what people are saying to us, if we can end all of that at the simple stage, just like my daughter, no longer tantrum, yelled or screamed or attacked. If people could do that everywhere in the world. And you know what? I found it stopped. When I introduced a 31-year-old developmentally delayed girl solution to problematic behavior and argumentation, I realized that if people would only look for a way to hear what the world is saying to us. When our bodies are upset, they talk to us by giving us pain. When our earth and an environment is upset with us, it it shows us by the way it acts. When our business is upset with us, it doesn't give us the results we want. We just have to stop and say, why is my podcast not more successful than it is? What is it trying to say to me? Where am I out of alignment with the simple values that I have? That if I were just to do that, it would start to catch on. Mm, mm, Yes. The, um, it reminds me, your mess is your message. The mess is the message. The, yes. the problem is, is speaking to us. And thank you so much for sharing that story uh, about your daughter. That is really profound and speaks to me personally in, in many different ways. And I think part of why podcasting, interviewing people is so profound is because it is training how to listen, how to, how to be present and how to try and understand someone. And, you know, I think I'm understanding you and it's, totally. it's still a journey. It's still a journey trying to make sure that that's coming through. And we have this benefit of getting to listen back over and over again to these episodes. And this episode is now being broadcast through the airwaves. And, uh, I feel very, honored and privileged to get this time with you, Daniel, to, to ask you questions about your work, to share some of your, your experiences and your journey with, with my listeners. And if you could share one final piece of advice or one, one message with the listeners who are considering broadcasting themselves or they're, they're in the, you know, they're in the process of, of launching their platform and uh, maybe they aren't achieving the results they are. Maybe they are achieving the results they are, but would you, would you just share some more of your awesome loving heart with us uh, as we sign off here? Just, just one more nugget, one more piece of advice for people as they're on this journey. 
Um, first of all, thank you for such respect that you give to me. I'm not sure it's merited, but I thank you for the respect that you give to me in, in all of that. Um, if I've learned anything in 65 years, it's that even though it's important to listen to the voices that are out here, it's so much more important to listen to the voice in here. When, we, when we're able to listen, for me, when I'm able to hear my inner voice, and I know when my inner voice is talking what it wants, what truth, and when it's talking BS. And when I'm able to walk through that valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil, when I'm able to sit in my pain and not run away from it, because sometimes that voice inside of me says, oh, everything's going to be okay, don't worry, just get through that. Well, there is no getting through that. There's a different voice that says, it's okay, I'll, as many times as you fall, I'll be there with you, I'll lay down beside you when you're ready to get up, I'll get up with you. When you're ready to walk, I'll walk with you. When you fall down again, I'll lay down beside you. When we're ready to take that walk, and we come out the other side. We can't do it because we know we're going to come out the other side and everything's going to be good. We, ha we have to do it just because we know that's the walk we have to do. And when we hear our voice guide us through that, what success? What, what, when the mosaic says nothing is as it seems, what's the success that you're seeking what does that seem to be to you? Not to you, but to the listeners that we're talking to. What if it was not what you see, what it, what it seems? What if the success of, the, of a life would, we were, that you would be able to put your head on the pillow at the end of it all and say, I did everything that my voice asked me to do? Maybe nobody will ever know of me. Maybe no one will ever say my name again. If you think about some of the great composers, the greatest composers of the most beautiful music in the world, if you think about some of the greatest artists of the greatest art in the world, during their life, no one knew who they were. They lived in poverty and in scorn. But for generations, their work has inspired people. Now their work is valued in the, in the multi-millions of dollars. What's real success? For me, that success is in knowing that I live true to myself. That I listened to the voice within me and I did my very best to be a reflection of that. To be a little piece in my mosaic that by connecting to me, others feel drawn to connect to their voice within themselves. Not because I'm teaching them every, anything, just because there's no way that they can do anything different because we're the same. When you connect to me and you and I are the same, we're not different, we just feel each other and I feel you and you feel me and we blend together and we both sort of feel something more. You gotta love podcasting to go into it. Not because you want to be Joe Rogan. Because you want to be yourself. 
And if you become Joe Rogan, great. But if you become yourself, even better. That would be my suggestion. In response to that, I can only offer you a gift. And I, uh, I pulled this out. I don't know. Maybe you might recognize this book just from the color. Have you ever seen this book? I can't see what it is. What is it? This is uh, called The Gift from Hafiz, the great Sufi master. Oh, I love Hafiz. Yeah. And so I wanted to just share one short poem with you as a thank you. And um, yeah, just that's all. When, when words fall short, use the words of, of someone who is Hafiz. in love with God. <laughs> yeah, right. I love it. This poem is called, If God Invited You to a Party. If God invited you to a party and said, Everyone in the ballroom tonight will be my special guest. How would you then treat them when you arrived? Indeed, indeed. And Hafiz knows there's no one in this world who is not upon his jeweled dance floor. And so with that, Daniel, I am very, very honored and grateful for your time. I had such, such I, that was just so wonderful and uh, nourishing for me. So thank you for, for making time to, to have this conversation and to share your love and share your, your story. And everyone can find out more about you. I'm going to put links in the show notes and uh, you know I'll check in with you about where we'd like to send people. Highly recommend giving the Mosaic a read. It is a uh, heart-inspiring, heart-fulfilling book and journey and the podcast is a is a beautiful extension and yeah thank you so much daniel it's i that thanks you thank you wonderful all right everyone thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of beyond air i hope you enjoyed it and are now one step closer to turning on your microphone and broadcasting your message to the world i'd love to hear from you let me know how I can help you on your broadcasting journey by getting in touch with me and maybe even apply for a strategy session if you want to discuss your podcast idea. You can reach me at www.podcast-farm.com. Till next time, my friends, I'm Kaylee Marks, and thanks for tuning in to Be On Air.